And welcome to another episode of Podding Ain't Easy. We're nearly at the end of our journey looking at the, the bad batch. We're here to talk about episodes 12 through 14. Only the two left to go, and we'll be on to our next journey. But before we get there, we'll have some news to talk about, including a trailer for the Book of Boba Fett. And uh, speaking of which, Please welcome the Fennec Shan to my Boba Fett. <laughs> would never bully me. It's uh, Carl. Well, I, I don't know. I don't have to be flattered or upset by that comparison. Perhaps flattered. I mean, Fennec Shan's a lot harder than I'll ever be. That, that's face set. <laughs> I know. Yeah. She's come back from you know nearly being dead. I'm sure you've you've been you've been a long time, Carl. You've been through your fair share of hardship. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm bare. I'm not old. I'm barely alive, as it is. Let's be honest. You know, some weeks we have to struggle for stuff to talk about. Other stuff, other weeks we've just got stuff that falls, you know, right our lap, and it's stuff that we know we'd really be interested in talking about. And this is one of those latter weeks because there was a lot okay, to talk about in the world of both Star Wars and kind of Marvel. Uh, we're going to start with uh, something that's not Star Wars related, and then going to the Star Wars news, but. Uh, it was a trailer for a uh, kind of Sony, kind of Marvel crossing movie, uh, Morbius, starring Jared Leto as uh, Morbius. Morbius is a kind of a Spider-Man villain. Uh, basically, it's in the same realm of uh, of Venom, where they've taken a Spider-Man villain, they give him a different kind of origin, not fit Spider-Man in, and gave him his own movie. Jared Leto's played Morbius, basically a basically a vampire in the Marvel universe, and. Uh, We've got this new trailer. I think it's maybe coming out sometime next year. I forgot to look up the actual, the actual uh, release date. But you know, it's, I think it's not. We're both finding hard what to make of this film because you know Venom. It seems like they're going to be working it into the MCU somehow, and maybe there's, there's a, you know, there's all these rumors of Venom showing up in uh, No Way Home. But uh, so the door is always open for Jared Leto's Morbius to appear in the MCU. Especially given the cameo from Michael Keaton's uh, Vulture during the trailer, but uh, yeah, it's just one of those films. I think I've heard about it for ages. That it was happening, and then actually seeing trailers for it, I was like, oh, so they actually are going ahead with this. Yeah, I've heard rumblings about a Morbius movie for a while now, and yeah, it was quite interesting to see um, Michael Keaton there in in the trailer. <laughs> so. Um... It's going to be interesting to see how how it links in, but tonally, it's it's from the trailer. It seems quite different from the sort of bright um, and you know the bright sort of stuff we get from the MCU. It, it looks almost DC, doesn't it? It's that sort of sort of dark and and gritty all the way through, almost like a almost like a, it's almost like grey, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, it kind of makes sense only for you know a film about a vampire, but I, I get what you mean. And 
because he's apparently got this like rare blood disease and you know he tries this weird thing with bats to try and cure himself. I mean that's how coronavirus got started. So clearly, no, this is not the time for a Morbius film because you know, <laughs> this is giving up too many bad memories it's too soon. <laughs> it was it was Jared Leto all along. Who yeah, knew? No. It's a bit. It's he's got a, kind of a similar origin to um, Spider-Man villain Lizard as well who tries to cure something using lizard DNA and ends up turning himself into a lizard because doesn't he turn a bit bat-like as well? Um, yeah. Morbius. Uh-huh. And again, it's almost a shape-shifting kind of thing where he can go from just being himself to this weird like, vampire-looking thing and, uh, you know, like a weird headline at one point in the film that he picks up a copy of the Daily Bugle and it says, you know, Morbius wanted for, and quotes, but vampire murder. <laughs> or as vampires just call it murder but yeah it's weird what to make of it kind dinner, of vampires don't call it murder they call it dinner scar yeah of course <laughs> well you're, you, you're more of an expert than me we should have had Nathan on here because I've heard all sorts of speculation about will this be, if, if Morbius does join the MCU will this be the way to bring in Blade because I know Nathan is sitting anxiously by the computer every day, whenever it's a Marvel and instant, waiting for the waiting for more news, actually. People try to tell Nathan you gotta move on with your life, man. Yeah, this, this bullying earlier has cut deep. It's got straight in there, five minutes in. Bob's a, a great leader. He's no leader of mine. Uh, <laughs> no leader of mine. And you know, he started it. You know, he knows what he did. <laughs> you know, like I, did, I think, like I take the approach to this, what they did with like Venom, because I think they weren't sure how successful Ven- the first Venom was going to be, and then it was successful enough with audiences to you know warrant getting you know a sequel, which they got really good reviews. And so I think it's a case of with these like Sony films, like okay, well, we'll make this film. We'll say it's not in the connected to Spider-Man, but we'll, but then we'll say. A bit successful, say, oh, actually, it is in a way, and we'll, we'll stick to the fact that it's not connected if it flops. Which uh, I don't see Morbius doing as well as, as the Venom one, but you know, how they tie it in with you know the idea of like we said that Michael Keaton's vulture appearing in it somehow. Yeah, it'd be interesting. I mean, Tom Hardy is a, a huge star, so it's probably helped. Um, then you know Venom's box office. Jared Leto, I wouldn't put him on the quite same level as Tom Hardy and his um, previous comic book character work. Um, left left much to be desired. So it'll be interesting to see how he um, brings Morbius to life. Looks like they are going down the um, anti-hero um, sort of um, role here. It looks like he's. Um, going to be sort of well, not not completely bad, but um, not completely good either. If that makes sense, I think in the comics, or at least in the cartoons I used to watch back in the day, he, he wasn't necessarily evil, but he couldn't sort of control his desire to to feed of humans. Was was like his his big problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's weird with uh, the Spider-Man universe across Sony and the MCU that they seem to have a weird habit of recruiting former, you know, DC actors. Now you got Michael Keaton, as you said, uh, Tom Hardy had a previous role as you know Bane, and you know 
Jared Leto's got the best track record in superhero movies of them all. I mean, everybody raves about his performance as a, <laughs> as a Joker. Everybody says, greatest Joker of all time. They never mean it ironically or anything. No, no, that's that's quite right. So um, this this should be a really good role for him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I think, I remember I've seen a lot of people theorising about how this connects, if it will connect to the MCU and one thing that somebody said, which I think could be quite good, you know, if Marvel wanted to explain why, if they chose not to get a certain character into the MCU and wanted it to be somebody's own thing, they could just explain that way as if they said, like, oh yeah, this is this, this, this whole story is going on in one of the many branched timelines I created, and after Loki, like, you know, one of the many alternate universes, like, like what if explores, so, like, you don't need to, you don't need to explore it any further, just know it's out there, but, you know, we're not acknowledging it in our wider world. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it could, it could be anything. It's going to be interesting to see how this um, movie sort of um, how it goes and how it sort of connects with everything else. If if it does uh, connect with other things, but yeah, you, you assume it's going to somehow with uh, if that is Michael Keaton's um, vulture we we see in the trailer. Yeah, and you know, Sony later. Seemingly, you know, since with the success of Venom and, you know, with this coming out, they're wanting to explore more, like, certain demand, like, villains or, like, side characters having their own film, as I believe they're developing a Craven the Hunter film with uh, Aaron Taylor-Johnson as Craven, which is a, a weird choice, I think. And, you know, it'd be weird if they tried to connect that to MCU, given that, like, he was also quite silver. I don't know how they'd explain that. Uh, also, I looked up sometime in January next year, this is coming out, so actually fairly soon. But uh, I've I've heard from people who who like look at the film industry. They say that yeah, a lot of movie studios put film movies that they don't have a lot of faith in in January February time slots. So you know, make of that what you will. Yeah, it's an, it is an interesting slot, mate. If it's um, early January, you know, it's sort of still in the festive period. So whether that's what they're hoping for, or because. People are starting to go back to theatres now. Maybe they're, they're trying to strike while well, they iron something before there's another scare or lockdown or something. Who knows? But, um, yeah, it's uh, certainly uh, an interesting release time. Yeah, they because they, they've been um, wanting to do, like, a, a Sinister Six thing for a while now, aren't they? The whole stuff with... Um, um, oh, what's his Andrew Garfield Spider Man? Uh, that's what they were sort of heading towards with that as a standalone in the six movie. But um, those Spider Man didn't sort of gross as much money as they were hoping, so those sort of things got put on the sideline for the time being. But now they seem to be going a different way. Yeah, it's weird because like they spent they took. They had a movie that they wanted to sell, like several other movies, at the expense of the film that they were making, story and plot, and making it make any sort of sense. And then wondered why that movie didn't do well, and they couldn't make their other movies. Like, you know, it's you know, who would have thought that would have backfired? But yeah, they seem to have taken some time, and then they slowly but surely started rolling these films out. Uh, I think they were smart to start with Venom because any of any of the characters, you know, from Spider-Man's kind of rose gallery. He's the one with more of a his own story and his history as an anti-hero and enough of a fan following to uh, you know garner interest in his own film. 
not sure about some of these other characters that they're doing it with, but again, we'll, we'll see how this how this goes and how it maybe ties into you no know, uh, how it ties into No Way Home, which is coming out fairly soon uh, in December. But a wee side note here: uh, if we were recording this on the fourth of November, the Eternals think its wide release is meant to be the fifth of November. This is the day before the Eternals comes out. Also, we've got Eternals. Then we're going to get Spider Man. And uh, the audience score isn't in yet, but critic score is in. The critic reviews are in for the film, and you know the scores on states like Rotten Tomatoes. And apparently, it's gotten a 53% from critics on Rotten Tomatoes uh, so far, and it's said to be the lowest-rated Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe film of all time. And apparently, from what other sources I heard, Thor: The Dark World and the Not Incredible Hulk film scored higher on Rotten Tomatoes than this film. Dear, that's not that's not a promising start, is it? But uh yeah, both studios being quite brave in a sense with the you know, the Eternals is a, a lesser known quantity as is Morbius. So 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 they're starting to take a, a few risks um by the looks. And um, I got an email from Disney Plus the other day, sort of stay in the Shang-Chi's um, not far away from uh, coming on Disney Plus, apparently this month, if the, um, I read my email correctly. Fair enough. That's, uh, so that's something to look forward to, if I've got that right. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't blame you if you didn't choose to go out to see the Eternals. I might, pro- I might, I might go and see it, because you know, I've been looking for a reason to get back into the cinema, because obviously... I haven't had a chance to go as often as I'd like. I've been twice since they properly opened back up, and I got both my both my doses of the vaccine. So I like to go and see this, but I'm not entirely confident. I'm going to try and put all the reviews and everything out of my head, you know, and judge it by myself when I go and see it, because uh, you know, point for my own opinion. But I'm not entirely hopeful because you know, again, we talk about the weird tonal shifts in the in the Morbius trailer. I was always put off by the the tone of the Eternals trailers that didn't nothing really jumped out at me and really got me excited for the film. Also, as I was looking up that score in Rotten Tomatoes, just randomly, uh, I see a Metro headline just says, Marvel's Eternals banned in Saudi Arabia after requesting edits. Oh, right. That's, uh, that's a weird one. I wonder what that's all about. Goodness. Uh, Saudi Arabia, they're, it's a weird place. It really is. And I'll say no more on the subject uh, before I get immediately taken off this. Uh, you know, moving <laughs> on to something you know a bit more. You know, we do we're a bit more excited for. It's also coming soon. Another trailer dropped, uh, kind of out of the blue. No real announcement. I don't think was made about when it was coming. But finally, you know, with a month or so to go before it comes out, uh, the Book of Boba Fett trailer that's dropping the first episode December twenty ninth. And we finally got a short teaser trailer, a minute, minute and a half. We got, uh, and I think we got a tone, I think we got a, a good idea of what the show is going to be. You know, I think it's like six or seven episodes they're going to give us. And it seems like it's going to be kind of a mob crime film, you know, in the Star Wars universe with Boba Fett trying to establish himself and you know, is taking over Jabba's empire. He's going to rule through respect and not fear. And he's got uh, Fennec Shan by his side. He's meeting with all these other criminals on Tatooine and basically trying to come up with a mutual arrangement, trying to build his own kind of crime syndicate and run into some uh, opposition, well, it looks like. So, looks like there's going to be plenty of action, and uh, you know, I'm sure 
people, they didn't show us anything of the flashbacks we might see. Everything seemed to be happening around the current Star Wars timeline of following Mandalorian. So uh, I think there's enough to you know, sink your teeth into with this trailer. Yeah, it was pretty good. And uh, I like the fact they're going to be sort of concentrating on the more shady side of things by uh, sort of the underworld dealings and uh, Boba Fett and Fennec Chan's, yeah, trying to sort of take control of the underworld, perhaps, by the looks of it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, it looks uh, pretty cool. Do we know what the episode count for this series is going to be? I'm assuming perhaps eight, like um, Mandalorian, but I haven't heard anything. I had heard it was either six or seven. I will have a quick look now, but it's going to be interesting to see where this, if this in any way you know, ties into uh, Mandalorian season three. Because I think they might be happening around the, the same time. Uh, it's interesting a lot of comparisons being made to you know the storyline with a storyline from the Clone Wars show when Darth Maul was trying to form his own crime syndicate with you know the scenes around the, the table and everything. You know, don't get your hopes up for a Darth Maul appearance. He's maybe dead in this timeline, but you know I will always make sure I mention Darth Maul is one of my favourite characters. And yeah. It- He's badass, and we thought he was dead before, so you never know. Never know. Yeah, actually, as the episodes, you know, my mistake. So, yeah, first episode is the 29th of December, and the final episode will air on the 16th of February. So, there All you right. go. Cool. We, you know, be, sorry. I was going to say, it should be a, a fun show. Mm-hmm. But, honestly, there's... It's only a short trailer, and you know I think we're probably better off about them not showing us, you know, everything in this trailer because, like, I think the first trailer for the first years of Mandalorian didn't even really show like any much of anything of uh, of Grogu. So, and then he ends up being a big part of it. So, you know, there could be a lot of big plot details we're not even seeing in this trailer, and I think maybe you know that's probably for the best because you know let people go and watch it episodically, you know, let them come up with their own ideas and see what happens. Yeah, I think with trailers, less is definitely more, you know, you just want to give enough to sort of whet the appetite, don't you? And um, I'm sure it'll be as good as The Mandalorian. I'm very much looking forward to getting it watched when it comes out. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if it'll all be kind of based on Tatooine or maybe they'll take us to some new worlds that we haven't seen yet. Because, you know, there's always a different new planet. No, I remember watching Mandalorian. There was always a new planet, and always for some reason had a name, even though even if the name was never mentioned on screen, because somehow in the Star Wars universe, everything has a name somewhere, and somebody's made a note of it. Yeah, you you never know. They might have to travel to some different planets for these uh, meetings and delegations and whatnot, or or to hunt someone down. So. You never know, do you? Uh, I mean, episodes on the same planet might might get a little bit tired, but who knows? Yeah, I mean, we know how many episodes are. We don't know how many, how long the runtime will be. If it'll be similar to Amandor, where sometimes they can vary, or if it'll be a one, you know, long time, one you know, length for each episode, you know, thirty minutes, forty minutes, etc. So you know, we'll see what they do with that. But it does look fun, you know. It's kind of almost mob crime film. Uh, like story in the Star Wars universe, but we some other shows in the Star Wars universe. Uh, we have uh, the Ahsoka TV show coming soon. Now I believe like the reason that Mandalorian was delayed is because they were doing 
Book of Boba Fett on the same like kind of water stage where they do Mandalorian, then they filmed uh, the Obi One series on the same stage almost immediately after they, that wrapped up, and then uh, I think they're, they revealed that they're actually doing uh, actually doing Ahsoka on a different stage. So Mandalorian season three is already started kind of filming because I think Carl Weathers already confirmed that the other day that he was he had started filming his part for season three. So I assume he's going to be a bigger part now that you know Carano's been a uh, Showing the door, <laughs> but uh, speaking of people who will be showing up in uh, in this in the future, Ahsoka uh, has been it's been confirmed that for Ahsoka, not only will be appearing in the upcoming Obi One show, but we're gonna get some uh, Hayden Christensen and and Ahsoka as well. So he's been out going across two Disney Plus shows, even though they'll be appear- happening at different times. Uh, so. The Obi One announcement, I think it implied that he was still becoming Darth Vader and under the mask, it was still going to be him under there. Uh, but uh, rumors for his appearance here is that maybe some sort of flashback. They might take some stuff from like Clone Wars time and do it in live action with a younger actress playing a young Ahsoka with Hayden Christensen, or maybe Hayden Christensen will appear to current day Ahsoka as like a Force ghost. Uh, yeah, I, I want to see a live action interpretation of the duel from uh, Star Wars Rebels. That's what I want to say. That'd be, that'd be quite cool. Uh, I believe they also had a brief fight in uh, an episode of Clone Wars because Ahsoka got like possessed or something in an episode. Or something like that. Uh, so it'd be interesting because like, I remember they did uh, one of the things a lot of people hated when they brought like, the new releases on DVD of uh, Star Wars. They kept making changes. I remember one of the changes they made was in one of the versions, they did the whole thing of Anakin's Force Coast appearing, but they they had Ian Christensen appear, so they could always like do that. You know, you know, I don't think he'll be a major part of the series, but I think he may appear in one or two episodes and either as a flashback or as a Force Coast. But uh, I like Rosario Dawson's response to the news, and she put uh, an Instagram post that says, Great to see you, Sky Guy loves snips. Because. Uh, <laughs> People who may not watch those, the nicknames that they both give each other is uh, Anakin referred to, so I guess Nips and she kept calling him Sky Guy, which he at first hated, but he just accepted at some point. Yeah, definitely. That's a nice little in joke there. And it, it's nice when the, uh, the people playing the roles sort of know the roles, if that makes yeah. uh, any sort of sense. So, uh, yeah, it, it should be cool to see, and hopefully they'll have some uh, cool on-screen chemistry similar to what we saw in those uh, animated series of any luck. Yeah, because also the Clone Wars is uh, like canon and everything, so they're going to work out, work that in. It's also a big thing of watching the... The prequels is, you know, it's a shame that they don't even mention Ahsoka in episode three because the Clone Wars wasn't really a thing when that was made. But then that they yeah, had this whole thing that bridges the gap between the two films and makes Anakin look like a better character. So now I think he and Christensen can play a version of Anakin with the whole story and the journey of, of the Clone Wars taken into account. And now we can actually see he and Christensen actually interact with Ahsoka because I think if he'd worked the version of it, the version of Anakin we saw in Clone Wars into more of the portrayal that Ian Christensen had in like episode three, I think people would have been a lot kinder to his performance. Yeah, it's a, it's a real shame that Clone Wars wasn't done in real time in between the um, Star Wars films, because I think it would have led a bit more gravitas to his turn to the to the dark side, especially with the way Ahsoka was sort of 
kicked out of the Jedi Order. I know they asked her to come back, but the damage had already been done at that point, and you could see that had irked him off a bit as much as anything else that, that had happened um, in his sort of journey um, to the dark side. Yeah, and also the fact that also their relationship was a big part of the Clone Wars, and now we've got Clone Wars and Rebels creator Dave Filoni is going to be the main showrunner behind the Ahsoka series, so uh, and also he's a big, he's also behind the Bad Batch as well, and we've seen how he can kind of link continuities from the different mm. series together, so I'll be really interested to see what he does uh, with this. Uh, cause if, if, it, if anything Star Lady and his name's somewhat attached to it, instantly I've got all my faith in him, because <laughs> you know, he's got that kind of track record. Yeah, if it's, Star Wars has got um, John Favreau or um, Dave Filoni attached to it, yeah. You can be pretty confident it's going to be a good ride. Definitely, but somebody's name who we won't be seeing from an upcoming Star Wars project is that of Sasha Banks, as it's, it's boss time no more in the uh, the world of the Mandalorian. Because despite you know some images coming out of like some of Din Djarin with uh, a group of other Mandalorians who wore similar armor to uh, Sasha Banks and uh, Katie Sackhoff, I almost forgot her name, Katie Sackhoff's like characters. You know, the kind of blue and white kind of armour. Uh, Sasha Banks herself confirmed that she's not going to be in Series 3 of Mandalorian. Uh, it doesn't rule out that Katie Sackhoff can return and we could see some like more like Mandalorians that I know are under her and you know, like, expand that kind of thing. Uh, we know that like, Karga, uh, played by Carl Weathers, is going to be back, I'm assuming. I don't know if they officially confirmed it, but uh, I'm assuming uh, John Carlos Bizzuto as... Moff Gideon will return, also you got to have you got to have Din Djarin, you got to have uh, Pedro Pascal as Mandalorian, but you know, no Sasha Banks, I mean she wasn't a main character, but she was fun in the role that she had, do you think it's a case of, you know, that WWE's back on a more regular schedule, she's busy with that, or do you think it was a case of, uh, they really didn't need her, and like, of all the like newer Mandalorians they brought in, they kind of mainly needed Katie Sackhoff's character? Yeah, it's probably a, a case of both uh wrestling schedule and um the fact that yeah, yeah she wasn't really a vital character it's not like she had tons of dialogue or or anything so it's not someone you're gonna totally miss um you don't think it could be misdirection i mean she didn't she did tell everybody that she'd only done one episode and that was one and done and then she cropped up on the popped up on the fire season finale so, mm-hmm. can you believe anything Sasha Banks says? Maybe, maybe not. You know, maybe we'll think that Cross Curry's are going to show up and then a whole new character is going to show up, played by Becky Lynch, and, you know, kill, <laughs> kill <laughs> Din Djarin in about 26 seconds. Maybe it's a wee SummerSlam joke there for you. But, yeah, you never know, because I think she filmed her part kind of like in the, in the, in the, in the month or so pre pandemic. So, you know, they could definitely, you know, like probably could spare her because even though she was recently in the mix for the SmackDown State, they clearly didn't have any plans for her to win it back. So I can't see her really being necessarily needed at the minute. But you know, we, time will tell. Maybe we'll be a bit of a swervy and she'll actually will be in the. So I don't know why she would really need to lie about it because, like you said, she didn't have the biggest role. So I don't know if she'd need to keep, keep have people guessing if, if she was going to be in the show. 
Yeah, or it could be something to do with her being a, a bit of a, an anti-vaxxer. Allegedly, she's not having any jabs. So it might be something to do with that. You know, yeah. you know, people on the set that's not not jabbed. Yeah. That's uh, just a theory. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I could ever see that being a thing because also they want to think the safety of everybody involved, crew, the cast, and everybody like that. Because uh, I remember Stephen Amell told a story that they were taking precautions. They were filming a lot of heels during the pandemic, in the first series, and he got production had to shut down because he got COVID, like right in the middle of it, and he felt bad because he was worried about putting everybody else at risk. So I think that's a major concern still on like film sets and that. So that could actually play a part, you know. Don't want to speculate too much, you know. Oh, allegedly, allegedly. Exactly. We don't, we don't want Mercedes Verando's lawyers on our case or Snoop Dogg coming around to beat us up. Like I say, we've got something scarier, you know, than lawyers or Snoop Dogg to come after us, you know. And that's fans of Sasha Banks on Twitter. That's <laughs> you don't want to come after you. They will speak down on you with great vengeance and furious anger. <laughs> they bloody well. You're not, you're not even joking. That's the, that's the scary part. <laughs> it's funny because it's true. <laughs> <laughs> but before we uh, annoy anybody, you know, any further, <laughs> yeah, that's, getting... that's two listeners gone, Scott. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm not even sorry. Hey. Uh, <laughs> Let's get into the episodes uh, themselves before anybody else leaves. Uh, we've got three episodes I said to cover, episode 12 through 14. So episode 12, we've got Rescue on Rylofkin, second part to the last episode we talked about. As uh, at the end of the episode, Harris and Dilla's parents were captured by the Empire being framed for an assassination. Uh, we've got Admiral Rampart, you know, taunting Harris' parents and uh, Goby and uh, a cell on Ryloth and basically... Well, once they find where her is and he's kind of taunting them, uh, he orders Captain Hauser to you know, round up any supporters of Sam to stop any kind of uprising and you know, have them all arrested. Captain Hauser doesn't really seem too keen on the idea, he doesn't want to arrest you know, innocent you know, civilians. Uh, Hera manages to send out a signal to the Bad Batch and Omega because apparently Omega gave them their comm channel, much to Hunter's dismay. As uh, and they managed to turn their ship around and come back to Ryloth because she wants their help. Uh, when they explain what's what's going on, Hunter is very hesitant and doesn't make any promises that they're going to help. And then they see what the capital is like and how heavily guarded it is. Not to mention the fact that Crosshair is also there, who they don't really want to be dealing with after what happened to them last time they met him. And then also they get caught with a Imperial droid, which snaps a, a shot of them, which Crosshair sees and takes the rampart just before Hunter manages to destroy it. Uh, Hunter wants to leave because he thinks it's just too much of a risk and, you know, it wouldn't matter how much they get paid, you know, if they don't survive it. Shara gets very upset about and, you know, Omega tries to appeal to Hunter saying, no, she's doing this for her family, I do the same for all of you. Uh, so she goes to Omega goes to her and tries to get the two of them try to come up with a plan that will convince Hunter enough that it will work so he'll go through with it. Uh, back at the sales, Captain Hauser tries to gain the trust of uh, Cham to, you know, say that he'll you know, rescue you know, her, he'll keep her safe and everything, but obviously him being part of the Empire and what the Empire's done to him, uh, Cham isn't really willing to trust him. So they come up with a plan where 
they get a droid chopper to stick into their refinery and they're going to you know, launch an attack on that, which will distract you know, troopers away from the capital, which will give them an easier way inside to get Hera's parents. Chopper does, has a difficult time you know, getting into the code because he's not an Imperial droid. Uh, he almost gets caught, so Hera and Omega manage to steal a, a shuttle and you know, start, you know, cause them up, start firing on their, their unmanned cannons. And he also got Tech and Wrecker there to help cause the distraction while Echo and Hunter sneak into the capital to rescue Hera's parents. Uh, as the troops are being deployed, Crosshair immediately realizes what's happening. He is wise to the Bad Batch's tactics. He decides to bring his troops back and they like, wait outside an exit you know, with an ambush waiting for them. Uh, Hunter, they get Hera's parents and they go and make their way to that exit, but Captain Hauser stops them and t- warns them that there's a, an ambush waiting for them and tells them what way to, that they can sneak out safely. Uh, he chooses to stay to try and get some of his clones you know, on his side and tell them that what they're doing is wrong. A few of them do choose to throw their weapons down, but they all do get arrested. Uh, once enough damage has been done to the refinery and the parents have been saved, uh, everybody pulls away from the refinery before reinforcements pull in. Uh, they do offer to pay Hunter and the batch, but Hunter refused the payment, saying that they'll need it no more than he will because, you know, they're going to continue this fight against the Empire. Everything and uh, there's a ASPCP goodbye between Omega and Hera. Uh, as towards the end of the episode, you know, Rampart earlier on, he kind of you know, refuted, you know, how much damage the Bad Batch could actually do, but now he sees he could almost like Crosshair and he, he grants Crosshair permission to hunt down the Bad Batch. Then we get to episode 13, Infested, as the Bad Batch are seen returning to Port uh, Mantel uh, after a job, and they were very angry because once again, Sid has chosen to leave out important details of uh, the job that nearly got them killed, and they, they just want to go get paid, and they go into Sid's parlour, it's a lot more crowded than it usually is, and they find out that uh, a criminal by the name of Roland Durand, the son of Issa Durand, uh, a well-known uh, criminal, uh, is taking over Sid's parlour, basically he just says, she's out, I'm in, and he does initially offer them you know, to work for him, and in the same role that they did for Sid, but you know they said, "Oh, we'll think about it." But they actually just want to leave because they don't like they don't want to get into any further trouble and cause any more attention to themselves. Uh, Omega asks, "What we're going to do about Sid?" No, she clearly needs our help, and that's when they run into Sid on the way back to their ship. And uh, basically says about how she was bullied out of her parlor by Roland because he's trying to get in with the a criminal group called the Pike Syndicate. Uh, but she knows of a girl that creates a spice that he's planning on selling to them. And she says basically she wants to steal them, you know, anger the pikes, so they'll take away Roland, and then she'll have our parlour back, and then also she'll pay the bad bitch for helping her. They have to go, like, underground these kind of caverns, and the reason it's called infested is because there's this hive of, like, creatures down there, and the basically says, don't wake them up, no. We just want to get in and out as quietly as possible. And as they're going through everything, she's been going well, Sid hires a couple of, uh, couple of guys who are usually hanging around her parlour to Steel Ruby, who's a, a lizard that they were shown to be, you know, recovering for Sid for a client who she didn't care what he did with it. A few episodes back, it turns out it was for Roland and his pet. So they basically steal Ruby to distract Roland and his guards to keep them away from the back office while they steal the space. But unfortunately, these two are fucking idiots, so they end up getting caught. <laughs> and then just as the last court, bit of space has been stolen, uh, Roland goes to the back office and sees it's been nicked. And so basically he orders a couple of guys to chase them through the caverns, but 
also the noise of gunfire and stuff like falling out of the cavern wakes up the creatures and manages to like swarm them but they do see that they're kind of afraid of light uh, bright lights so they manage to use that to get away they drop the crates that's fighting in the cavern but you know it, at first they think well you know we just want to get away from road so it doesn't matter where it is uh, missing successful and everything uh, the pikes are very angry when they come in there, Rowan doesn't have their space. When they, it looks like the parlour is quite is quiet. Sid comes in hoping that Rowan's been already taken, but he's waiting there with the face and basically pins the the, the missing spice on them, rightfully so, because it was them. <laughs> uh, and basically the pikes threaten Omega to get the, the space back, and basically they keep rolling and Omega and the parlour is insurance while Sid and the Bad Batch, you know, after they admitted that they knew where it was, uh, to go get it back. So now uh, Wrecker and Sid repel into the cavern to get the, the crates back and then they have to hurry because it's nearly night time that's when those creatures wake up. Uh, but as they get the final crate out uh, one, of the, one of these old cable cars that they were using earlier on to get across falls in the cavern and wakes up a bunch of the creatures but thankfully Tech has learned after last time and he's invented this weird light bomb that he throws in the cavern the bright light distracts them enough for Wrecker and said to be pulled out safely. Meanwhile, back at the uh, the parlor, uh, Roland and Omega kind of this, you know, talk while they're being held, and he basically talks about how he, why he did what he did. He's obviously, you know, my family's way basically like, take whatever you want. And see, Omega kind of pets this Ruby because of the it, it takes a shine to her, and he goes, you know, it doesn't usually take a shine to many people. Uh, they give the the pikes back the space, but. Uh, Feel, at first it looks like they're going to kill Roland anyway but they end up just cutting off one of his horns uh, as kind of a warning saying that he's basically warning like our path should never cross again otherwise it won't work out for you uh, so it offers to buy drinks for the, the rest of the Bad Batch for helping them uh, Hunter asks Omega why did you like, vouch for Roland and like, she went well Ruby likes him so he can't be all bad uh, and that's kind of a nice ending to that episode as we go into episode 14 War Mantle uh, as we open episode with a clone kind of deserter being chased through the woods of a planet called Daro. Uh, and he's been hunted down by other clones, but he's left a, a beacon basically signaling for help before he's inevitably captured. Uh, Rex gets in touch with the Bad Batch on, while they're on their ship to basically ask them to go help find this help find this trooper. Tech does remind them that they're meant to be on a job for Sid and that they won't get paid for, while Echo and Omega particularly want a go help the clone eventually Hunter agrees to go find them. Uh, originally they don't think that you know Darrow's you know inhabited. They said there's no known settlements that's in the outer rim, so they don't know why this clone would be out there and they go investigate it a bit further. Uh, meanwhile we go back to Camino uh, to see that they're deploying troops away from Camino because everybody's abandoned in that uh, base on Camino. Lamasu informs these is that Malice that uh, they said the Empire's pulled their contracts and he said they won't probably want us to use our advancements with anyone else, uh, knowing what we know. So basically he tells her to gather the essentials they're going to arrange to try and leave and you know, so basically try and fend for themselves now that they can't get Omega. Uh, after a bit of uh, exploring on Daro, Hunter tells Rekko and Omega to go back to the ship. They basically be wait there and like, pull them out when they need them to. And they go up this mountain where they discover there's a secret Imperial base built inside of it. And while they go find this clone who's who tech initially calls by his designation, designation which is uh, CC5576, but he tells them that he goes by the name Gregor. Uh, they, help, they help get him out. They 
they found these clones that are called, uh, they found these troopers called TK troopers, which is basically the non-clone troopers, which the Babbits didn't even know about. And they're basically asking her about it. He goes, yeah, these are our replacements. I was brought in originally to train them, but then I had a bit of a change of heart and the Empire doesn't take too kindly to deserters. So they try and fend them off. They accidentally set up a security alert because Tech tries to use this old clone code, which doesn't work anymore. Uh, and he talks about how he had to train them, but he didn't teach them everything he knows. So they managed to like, fend them off no matter the numbers. And he tells he feels about, about and more about the whole plan of you know, recruiting people from all over the galaxy and not needing clones anymore. They basically decide to go through, you know, these air ducts and they'll take them out to an open on the side of the mountain where they can get picked up by Omega and Wrecker and they call them in for uh, for an extraction. Uh, but as they're getting picked up, they're starting to take heavy fire by uh, B-Wings, you know, firing on them. Uh, they try, Omega grabs that weird droid that's always on the ship to help them kind of reinstall some power after they take heavy fire and they're, otherwise the systems are going to start failing. They have to swing around and come back for... Echo and Hunter, who are still left and led, trying to fend off uh, troopers that are trying to like, stop them. Uh, when they eventually come back round, Echo manages to make it, but Hunter kind of misses his jump and kind of starts falling down. Uh, and he, but unfortunately, they can't go back and get him because they're taking out of fire, so Hunter basically orders them, oh, just go, you know, get get Omega and get out of here. Uh, but she also doesn't want to go, but you know, he realises there's no other way otherwise. Basically, a case of he he gets captured or they all do. So, instantly, the tech like follows his orders and they hyperspeed out of there. Uh, Admiral Rampart back on, you know, catches Nalasi trying to leave and he confronts Lamassu about it. He tries to talk his way out of it, but Rampart basically says, No, I have use for a scientist, but I don't have any use for a politician. Uh, there's two heavily armed clones uh, left in the room with Nalas, with Lamassu, and the door's closed, basically implying that, uh, well, not showing it that. He was basically executed. Uh, and the episode ends with Hunter coming face to face with Crosshair while he's being kept in a cell. Crosshair says he was hoping for the whole group, but, you know, he'll do. And, you know, Hunter made a promise to Omega that she's never not going to have to go back to Camino. And where are we going for our two-part finale? Mm, where are we going? <laughs> I, I told you, didn't I? As soon as a character promises you won't be doing something, you know, full well... You're going to be doing it. <laughs> yeah, that is that is often the way, you know, for, that's what we call foreshadowing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> some uh, some very different, three very different episodes, I think, here, all because, you know, we got the kind of a conclusion to the story from the last episode we talked about in episode 12. Uh, episode 13, we get kind of a, well, a different kind of mission with, uh, with Sid and everything. We kind of learn that Sid may not be such a horrible person after all. And then we kind of get a very action back to episode in episode 14, which basically very nicely sets us up for the two-parter you know, end of the, the first season. Yeah, definitely. Some some decent stuff. Um, I, I did enjoy episode 12 and 14. 13 did feel a bit sort of random and thrown in there, to be honest. Not that it's a bad episode by any stretch, but... Uh, I think it's the one that had the the least going for it out of the the batch we were watching for this week's pod. Yeah, I think again, like everything you see, so I think we're like seeing it again. Like I think, that, like I said before, they're trying to chip away her and show that she's not entirely, you know, horrible. 
everything like she sticks up for Omega as well the fact by not wanting the fight to hold her you know, as a hostage and then like she insists on going down with Record to get the spice back then he's like yeah I got the kid into this and I'm going to get her out of it so we kind of see that maybe she's not all bad and we might see more of that in a second series if she comes back for it uh, but also I mentioned I should mention like they mentioned this on Brembles uh, and I think Clone Wars as well we often the, the term spice is a thing that criminals always translate. I know, given these cartoons are primarily can be watched by anybody, but primarily it's like cho- uh, for children, these animated series are. Uh, I think we can all agree it's space, basically, it's the Star Wars equivalent of drugs. It could be, unless they're just big Spice Girls fans and it's just a massive load of their albums. <laughs> Blu ray, bunch of Blu ray copies of uh, the. <laughs> I, mean, what, I, can't, I can't remember what the film is. What's the name of the film? The Space I think World it was film. just Spice World, wasn't it? Yeah, something like that. You know, Richard E. Grant, classic Loki, is the villain in that. So, you know, again, what acting range that man has. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I'm sure he's sure glad we've reminded him of that. <laughs> uh, not, it was not quite a, quite a glorious purpose he had when he agreed to to do that film, he very clearly needed the money, much like the bad facts. Yeah. He did money, which is why they always go on these missions for a cent. It, it paid the mortgage, I dare say. Yeah, <laughs> like when, like when Michael Caine did that fourth Jaws film, he was asked if he ever seen it. He goes, I've never seen it, but I've seen the house that bought me. <laughs> yeah, great answer that was. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't think space is given the value of it. It's clearly going to be like. Uh, Whatever the Star Wars equivalent of heroin is, <laughs> that's basically what space is. I'm, I'm, that's my theory. You know, he's got other hints of what drugs are in Star Wars universe. We always remember, you know, uh, the guy in episode two of episode two, Attack of the Clones, who offered Obi Wan the death sticks. <laughs> yeah, him. I mean, it's not not necessary though. I mean, back in olden days when I was just a teenager. Um, Spice was quite a, a big commodity, um, especially when you know they, they first went and sort of um, took over India and places like that, and stuff. You know, spices like saffron and even pepper were you know highly sought after and highly expensive back, uh, you know, in the uh, sort of like 18th century and what have you. Girl, I just bought his first house when all that was going down. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I would. I did not mean to bully you. I only just. See, the, this is why I want to help Nathan bully you. You see, you could never bully me. It's like what you're saying was said. Like she might not be as bad. I mean, it's like saying Glasgow might not be as bad. It's still Glasgow at the end of the day. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I live here. I can call it shit if I want, but you know, I can, but also it gives me the right to call out other people who call it shit. You know, <laughs> can't be off moving, but you know, doesn't mean I wouldn't defend it against other people. To be fair, we're either a shithole too, but you know, we, <laughs> it's what it is. I was going to say something else about Nathan, but you know, that's going to fire you on bullying at this point. Let's get back to the episodes. <laughs> Get back to the episodes. Uh, I want to talk about uh, that, that scene with uh, Lama Sue basically being killed off, uh, even though we don't, even though we don't see it. Uh, the doors closing, the two guys out standing there with their guns and everything. 
like you don't even hear a gunshot behind the thing. He just cuts away to the next scene. So he also you got does imply that he was was killed <laughs> off. Uh, it's weird how you feel about that because it's you know been done by you know bad guys. We've seen just how evil Admiral Rampart can be. The more he appears in this series, but at the same time, Lamasu had his own ulterior motives. We've seen and they weren't entirely nice either. So it should feel like he's getting his comeuppance, but it's also at the hands of another bad guy. So. It's weird how you feel about him being basically killed. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't exactly a nice guy, like you say, but they were sort of trying to protect themselves at the same time. And, you know, sometimes people are stupid to pretty low things when they're trying to save their own skin. But if they don't want clones, it'd be quite interesting to see what what they want with... Um, Oh, what's the name? I, I can't remember all these bloody Kamoan names and what it, have you. Now let's see. Yeah, I'll say. So uh, it'd be interesting whether we ever learn what what they exactly want want from her. But I suppose I imagine cloning's not not all she can do. Yeah, so I think also they'd have other options for for her and everything. But yeah, I think with uh, Lama Subis, it was a case of. He's outlived his, you know, purpose to them, so they they have no plans about just eliminating them. Yeah, hundred percent. They're uh, they're they're not nice people. The Empire. I'm gonna make a bold claim there. Yeah, don't say. Well, <laughs> shit the bed. <laughs> don't believe what I'm hearing. But going back uh, to the f- episode twelve, it's quite interesting to see, like. Um, Hauser um, sort of questioning his orders and questioning um, sort of the Empire's motives. So, you know, we, we thought, like, well, this order 60, or assumed was that order 66 was um, sanctioned, that the clones sort of all sort of switched and were completely online with um what the Empire want them to do, but that doesn't seem to be the case. And as we saw, Hauser wasn't the only one, but congratulations, you just got you and a bunch of friends arrested. Well, well done. And, and given that the bad batch of who could probably help you have all buggered off while you distracted them, you probably got yourselves executed, so good for you. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> they, they didn't really think that through, did they, to be fair? Yeah. But I think maybe this further explains why that and the deserter from episode 14 can maybe explain why, again, they were more confident going against having clones because clones, despite what I said in the last episode, are maybe were proven not to be as easily to control as, as all of them because they inhibit chip did have his exceptions, clearly. Which then further makes you ask, why do they keep Nala, Nala Say around? Because clearly she had a hand in making the chips and clearly... It's shown to have its flaws, so uh, you know I wouldn't entirely trust whatever else she comes out with. No, true, but they might have something they wanted to do and force her into uh, into helping them or whatever. God knows, but yeah, uh, yeah it's um, some some sort of interesting aspects there, and it was cool to see. Error again as well, and sort of watching her and um, Omega trying to fly that shot was mm-hmm. quite fun. Yeah, also she's got this whole thing of uh, her old story. She wants to be a pilot because that was her main role in Rebels, and 
it was interesting the last episode that she was on, she was promised she could fly, but she wasn't allowed to do any landings or takeoffs. And then she had to try and take off, and that shot with Omega. So you know, she had to kind of figure it out while they were being shot at, and previously had to inform Wrecker and, and Tech about the change of plan. They had to inform Wrecker and uh, Tech about the change of plan. And goes, yeah, everything's going well. Just please don't shoot down our, our shuttle, shuttle. And they just see <laughs> them fly there, and they you know, have to you know, like basically take it to cannons. Also, the thing with Chopper, uh, I'm pretty sure they did that same plan multiple times in the Rebel TV show, obviously. We sneak Chopper around with a bunch of other Imperial droids and he and he unlocks it for us. But even in the Rebels they used to sometimes even you know paint him to try and fit in. This time uh, Chopper he's only he's he's still clearly still young, he couldn't get the hang of it quite yet. Yeah, but bless him. It was you know, his first go and uh, he obviously gets better over time. <laughs> yeah. But it's it was quite a quite a fun line when they say something to Tech about helping or distracting, and he says, yes, your uh, erratic and dangerous flying is causing a great distraction. Yeah, because it's as bewildering to them as it is to us. <laughs> that was it, yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, also, like, even though she's quite angry uh, when the Bad Batch initially don't want any help or not out of, you know, malice or anything, but because they don't really think their risk is worth it, uh, they do offer to take her off world and to try and find like more help, but uh, even though they do eventually fall through in helping her, they can also explain why she is more trusting when they see clones and rebels more so than Kane and Charis is after his experience with clones at the start of the show. Yeah, it, it's one of the things I did like about that opening episode. It really sort of explained why I had such distrust for uh, for the clones because. You know, he watched them kill his master, and then last thing he knew, they were trying to hunt down and and kill him. So it's good how it all ties in. Yeah, uh, yeah. Obviously, all that yeah, tying together, they continue in. Uh, so obviously, by comparison with episode twelve and fourteen, I do agree that thirteen seems to be kind of its own thing, and yeah, so there maybe it was thrown there because they had to make up a certain number of episodes, but. I, I guess I don't necessarily think it's bad. It again, shows record despite his size being a bit of a. He's easily frightened as record. He doesn't like being in the this dark cavern. He doesn't like being around these creatures. And as soon as they start swarming, when he and Sid go down, and he's screaming and hollering on the the call, basically saying, "Get us out of here! Get us out of here!" He's screaming everything. Whereas Sid's, you know, basically giving him shit, basically telling him, trying to tell him to calm down. Yeah. <laughs> He has a he has a funny character as uh, as old Racker, <laughs> and um, it sort of just it sort of shows you how easily you can be usurped in these sort of dodgy businesses as well. When yeah, you, you know, you, you one minute you're running a club doing a few dodgy deals, and the next minute somebody's come along and ousted you out, and they're trying to trying to take over. But we also learn. We did learn one thing about um, the Bad Batch in this episode is that stealth definitely isn't their cup of tea. <laughs> yeah, very much so. You know, say what Sid says and everything. And then she wants them for firing their blasters after being chased. goes like, no, oh, you shouldn't be firing your blasters in here. And they'd be like, well, tell that to them because they're the ones firing <laughs> on us. Yeah, and they were, and they were sort of calculating using the... Um, 
sort of mining cart train things and getting the engines running. Says, oh no, you'll have to, you're going to have to push them or move them by hand because uh, no engines. And yeah. That was uh, I thought that was at first I thought that was to be sneaky, so they didn't know they were committing at the spice, but it was so they didn't disturb these bloody insect things. Yeah. Uh, I also let's say it was Roland, and they mentioned he's another Issa Durand. I was pretty, I was sure I had I heard that name somewhere in the world of Star Wars. Maybe I'll remember it from the last time I'd watched this episode because I tried to look it up online, and uh, the only other reference to that character was just from this episode. Oh, but I was sure I'd heard it somewhere, like in Solo or anything. I heard somebody with the name Durand in that film. But then again, I try to block the Solo film out of my mind. <laughs> Why would you want to do that? Oh, but... so many reasons. <laughs> Go back to our Star Wars ranking episode where I explain many of them. Didn't we both have it at the bottom? Dead bottom, yeah. That's why That's why I wouldn't bill you, Carl. See, we get on so well, two piece. Exactly, exactly. But uh, yeah, I've, I mean, I've not seen that episode before, and I thought the name seemed familiar. But maybe it's just one of those weird uh, deja vu, or uh, or something. Scott knows all too well. Maybe it's a Mandela effect. Either <laughs> you knew that's coming. Yeah, I was even preparing to make a joke about it myself. Ah. <laughs> uh. Uh, Sorry, I had to be done. No, no, it was an open goal, yeah. <laughs> you kicked it in. <laughs> uh, yeah. But just, well, just listen to, um, oh, what do we, Kayfabe Court, if you want to understand the, the Mandela effect joke there. Yeah, I believe it was uh, the case of the lifting briefcase from King of the Ring 99. <laughs> That was it, which uh, Nathan's ripped Scott's uh, case apart, quite literally. I, I legit, I thought I, I legit was expecting them to not know as much about the Mandela effect. Look at me, I was expecting them to not have heard of it, so I could basically bullshit my way through that. <laughs> but I mean, I, I can't laugh, some of my cases have been horrendous as well, so... Uh... We'll, we'll leave that there. <laughs> I think you're getting the word horrendous and racist confused there, Carl. We'll move back on to the episodes. That, uh, like, what I thought was interesting about episode 14 is, uh, you know, we actually get to see a lot of what we saw in episode 12 with a little bit of you know, Hunter's skill of being a good tracker. Everything that was his kind of enhancement compared to everybody else, but you don't get to see that as much as everybody else's you know, skill. Uh, but you see it in these episodes, like when he was tracking where uh, the, where Gregor had been dragged when he got caught and everything, and they go to the hill and it's interesting when they they, they find out about the uh, the clones you know being replaced and everything because that's been a major kind of part of the series, but it's all happened away for them, so this is kind of a, a big revelation to them, and also we find out what the other clones like Catans are being used for you know by training them, but as Gregor says like he didn't he chose not to teach them everything because uh, if he ever needed to escape. Then he could easily like outman them because there was a fight about where they say, oh, you know, like he, he talks about, you know, they they can recruit, you know, troopers from all over the galaxy. They don't need clones anymore, and they said, oh, you know, qual, you know, quantity isn't everything. It's more about quality. And then the doors open, and there's a bunch of them waiting for them at the elevator. And like you were saying about quantity, <laughs> yeah, there's a good line when 
they say something about um you said that you taught them everything you know he goes no i taught them everything they know i didn't thought teach them everything i know that wouldn't have been too smart would it <laughs> yeah no. it's a common trope through you know, tv and film that you know you never teach somebody everything that you know otherwise they might just in case they turn against you somehow Exactly. You don't want them beating you by something they wouldn't have learned if you hadn't have told them. Yeah. But it was, it was quite a cool, quite a sort of cool character that Gregor. He, he had quite a, like a sort of sarcastic kind of wit going on, which uh, I could relate to. Yeah, he doesn't really know who they are, but they, they say that well, Rex sent them, and then they tell them that uh, they're cool like they're forty nine nine. He just kissed. Like usually, are oh, defective clones, and they joke, you know, it's the clones that they're still going ahead with the empire. They're defective, if you ask me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty interesting. Uh, it's weird too. We've got these skills that kind of make them help, help them easily, you know, outman these other clones or these like new recruits, uh, and yet they're seen as defective when really they should be like seen as uh, more advanced than the other regular clones, you know, the other regs as they call them. Yeah, they also noticed in this episode that they've uh, they've had their sort of armor upgraded. They're looking more like the stormtroopers we we know and love now. Even though they say armor upgrade, but I've never really seen it protect them against anything. If I'm perfectly honest, it must do something. Maybe it protects you from sand or something. Who knows? You know, they've got the weird like gats with the black and everything on the suits and everything. Surely that would be the normal part, but surely, like, what's the what's the point of the rest of the suit? Like you said, if that doesn't protect you, and you've seen in Clone Wars, it wouldn't protect you know the regular clones from uh, from like droid fire or anything like that. So I don't know how they've upgraded if it still doesn't fucking protect you. But yeah, it does feel like a weird middle ground the suits that they wear in this between you know the original Clone Wars uh, suits and the suits that we were recognised from like the original trilogy. So it's weird, kind of in the middle look, but you can still see elements of a. Uh, or both sits in there. Or perhaps it's because the Empire is really cheap. So they just tell them it's like top of the rain, great protective armour. But really, instead of getting like the the ten thousand pound armour, they only bought the, the two thousand pound armour that's a part of shit. But the people wearing it don't realise that if you if that if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean uh, hearing back from the uh... Like, and Bert's asking Tarkin about it, like, what the hell are these cheap suits that you've sent? It's like, listen, between you and me, Vader, sunk all his, Vader and the Emperor sunk all their money into this bloody Death Star weird moon thing. <laughs> I don't know what the point of this whole this thing is, but apparently it's going to blow up and help us conquer the galaxy. Just just tell me where this is. Tell me follow orders and everything. <laughs> After um, we, we did see in... Um... Rogue One, the, the the Death Star was going over budget. Mm-hmm. I know, but it would be a horrible episode of Grand Designs. <laughs> so the mages to eventually get it fixed because maybe years between the episode three and episode four, and yet they were just getting it operational and bloody episode four. But I don't know what what kind of cowboys they employ to put that thing together. And Death Stars aren't easy to build, Scott. I mean, it t- takes time. <laughs> I mean, they clearly had to rush because they couldn't, you know, as we saw in Family Guy, they couldn't even put guardrails in certain places. And then by episode six, they had to do one. So how much, how much more of a rush job was that? That was thing. 
like we saw being held together with Gaffer Day, you didn't even need to go into it. You, well, you, to... you could see how much of a rush job it was because it wasn't even finished, was it? You could see all the spots where it was still under construction. Surprising the, the thing about it, you didn't see but the scaffolds all around it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what the fuck we're talking about anymore. No, no. Don't think anyone does. <laughs> yeah, it's very... Talking about the actual episode 14 and the ending of it, you know, it's very like emotional, the ending of it. You know, Omega is very upset about leaving Hunter behind and uh, basically he's talking about a full-on order. He basically tells her, like, get out of here everything. And he's, like, basically, he accepts he's going to get captured and then it's the face-to-face with him and, and Crosshair. And like I said, what really perfectly sets you up for the the finale, and even though we knew that eventually they'd go back to Kimino, but I think I haven't actually seen the finale. I've seen the majority of the series, I haven't seen the finale. So the actual ending to season one is going to be as fresh to me as it is to you. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward, as you say, it, it sets it up perfectly, that ending when. Um, Crosshairs comes face to face with Hunter. Um, yeah, I mean, it's understandable. I mean, Hunter's become like, more like a father figure more than anything to Omega. So it's quite understandable. She, she didn't want him to get captured, but he made the right call and the only call he could make in those circumstances. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I wonder what Sid's going to think eventually when they get back from Camille. Thing, where the fuck have you guys been? You're like three days overdue from a job I sent you on. Well, we got a call about a clone, and one thing led to another. And... <laughs> I mean, I, I, I was worried he was going to die when he missed that jump. I thought, Christ, that's a that's a fair fall, but uh, luckily he, he survived it. Yeah, or like, or like he and Echo were maybe going to get captured as they were both left on the, the ledge, and you know, he's like very passionate about you know, going on this mission when Rex messages him because he's lost his subway. With, uh, with Rex before and he basically said anything that Rex says he trusts and he talks about you know, not giving up on this clone to try rescue because it was a bad batch that rescued him after he got experimented on and turned into you know, the version of Echo that we see on this show. So he's yeah. More, so he's a lot more trusting his, his Echo. Yeah, definitely. He did make quite a good point as well, wasn't you know, that They saved him against all the odds, so... Um... Yeah, it's uh, very interesting to see where all this all this leads into. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll be finding that out. We'll be finding out that we'll be finding that out uh, next week as we look at the two part finale. Uh, so we can talk about the two episodes in a bit, a bit more depth because uh, we talked about small points in these episodes. But we kept getting fucking distracted talking about building Death Stars and all sorts on this episode. <laughs> and Mandela effects. Yeah. What even is that? Uh, <laughs> who knows? Nobody knows. <laughs> like Paul Rudd. You, you clearly didn't. Yeah, like Paul Rudd. Not me. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, 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 if you had to rank the three episodes from like least favourite to favourite out of the three we just reviewed, what would you say? Uh, favourite would be War Mantel, the, the last one, and it would be... Um, Episode 12, and what was that one called? I did write it down. Uh, bound, no, that's an old one. Ignore me, I'm getting me, getting me notes mixed up because I write them in random ways. Uh, 
Rescue and Ryloff would be the next one. Um, Infested would be my least favourite. That's not a bad episode, but it it just doesn't really seem to serve much of a plot point unless something that happened there. Maybe Roland comes and saves them all, or something in the finale, or the or Ruby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I'd go with the same one as you. That same order, like fourteen on top, then twelve, then thirteen. No, I could kind of take a leave twelve or thirteen either way. But yeah, I think there's a lot more going on in episode twelve. There's a lot more of a story there uh, than thirteen. Because uh, that just kind of wraps up, and, you know, a bit of a feel-good ending right before, you know, the very serious, you know, episode uh, 14, which takes you into, you know, the finale, the big climax of the, this first series. And uh, I'm very interested to see where that goes, and uh, I'm sure you are as well, and us, are you guys listening, if you haven't, whether or not you've seen uh, The Bad Batch, yeah, or if you just follow along with us. But, you know, outside of this, this wonderful show, we do have to... Other things, me and Carl, you know, keep the lights on here at Rogue Pines. And uh, Carl, let the people know what else you've got going on here in the wider world of Rogue Pines. Well, a, a couple of the other pods I thought I'd organise have fallen free for now. So it's, it's basically just this at the moment. I might try and write something for the website again one of these days because that's been a, a bit bit too long but uh it's thinking of something i want to write about that's the that's the trouble but um yeah it's basically you can follow me on twitter at uh carlos underscore fire 80 and uh, the same that same uh ad for um instagram you can find us the brand uh, Rogan Score Opinions on Twitter and Instagram as well. And you can find the website, as I just mentioned, uh, Rogue Opinions 20 at WordPress.com. So, um, yeah, just keep a look out and hopefully I'll have a bit more going on one of these days. Yeah, what he really means is that he didn't really want to do those other podcasts because he wants to put his full focus on behind Team Godfather, as you know, everybody knows it's the best duo on Rogue Opinions. We all know what you meant there, Carl. But <laughs> yeah, that sounds a lot better than what actually happened. Is that I got fobbed off? But but yeah, we'll we'll go with that. <laughs> I would never fob off Carl. He says on the second attempt that they did to record the episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you can find me on Twitter at Scott nineteen eighty six. You can follow up. I guess it's also on the Rogue Opinions but, uh, but feed as well. So in Scott and Bulls Round podcast at FP Rambling. As uh, by the time you're probably be recorded already, by the time you listen to this, but this week is our four year anniversary spectacular. Me and Paul are going to play a game, tell some stories, and get very drunk. And a good time will hopefully be had by all. And not necessarily in that order. <laughs> no, not, not in that order. We'll be drunk by the time we record. <laughs> uh, start early. Yeah, start early. Uh, we've got that. Uh, a, a, glass, a glass we drink getting drunk. I mean, who, who, who would have thought it? Uh? <laughs> uh, I don't even know how to respond to that. It's too, it's too factually accurate for me to respond. <laughs> okay, I don't even have any witty comebacks. Uh, you have best to me this round, sir. <laughs> you, know, you also check it, me and Paul's uh, recent episode after. Uh, most recent episode we reviewed Ben Fogori 2021 
and we've got a special retrospective coming out in our next episode. But for this week, we've got the anniversary. We're going to chill, have a you know, good old ra- drunken ramble and you know, talk about how we somehow managed to stay you know, a semi, semi-successful semi podcast for the last four years. Uh, instead of that, here Rogue Opinions, I'm still arranging uh, for the next episode of SmackDown. You know, I try not try not to be followed off here. Carl will never do that to me. Uh, <laughs> I've already recorded a special watch along for Insurrection, but I want to do another you know, SmackDown first. And I've got to be, you know, cro- we care about chronology here on Rogue Opinions. Uh, outside of this, uh, I'm not doing much with ESSR at the minute, uh, although I do have a show there called East Meets West where we review everything going on in New Japan. Uh, there should be a new episode of that up next week, and then a couple of episodes very quick together towards the end of the year because New Japan is really r- ramping up and packing their end of year schedule and then we start off next year with you know Wrestle Kingdom their biggest show of the year so I'll have a, I'll have a lot to talk about when that comes around over ESR but for the minute I'm not doing much else for them right now uh, but yeah but yeah quiet one for me thankfully uh, <laughs> at the minute so this this we said it was at least a good five minutes off of the plug section that we usually would dedicate for this. <laughs> but sometimes you got to take it easy because much like uh, building Death Stars, podcasting is not easy. <laughs> it really isn't. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye.